Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're so thankful to have the opportunity to reach out with God's Word on such a widespread, broad-based way uh, through, the inter- through the medium of the Internet, through these podcasts. We're thankful that people want to listen, that people want to get into God's Word. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we do pray and hope that you'll come and study with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. Our Wednesday night Bible class begins at 6.30 each Wednesday evening at the building, and we have Sunday morning Bible class at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning, followed by worship at 10.30. You're welcome to any and all of these these studies and services. We encourage you to come in person and study with us, worship with us, grow spiritually with us. Now, we encourage you also to share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that easily through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means, but you know people in your life who need to get into God's Word. Our faith develops as we study God's Word. The Apostle Paul said, study to show yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Well, again, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So help people in your life get on track, so to speak, spiritually, by sharing these studies with them. Again, through text messages, Facebook friends, maybe other technological means. But share with your family members, your friends, work associates, neighbors, literally anybody you can. Now, you may help somebody get their life turned around and help them get to heaven by getting them into God's word through these studies. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. We also encourage you to encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the listen button at the top of the home page and sign up for our podcasting. Now, when they do that, and it's free, by the way, it always will be free, We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When anybody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, their smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever one they choose, automatically our Wednesday night Bible classes, every Wednesday night, and our Sunday morning Bible classes, all of our sermons, and a really good, easy to listen to and follow along with daily, Monday through, uh, sorry, seven days a week, Sunday through Saturday, short Bible study, about 13 minutes called today's Bible class. And they will receive our daily Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures. All of that will be automatic. And again, it will always be free. So we encourage you to encourage everyone you can to sign up for our podcasting. We're going to get back into our study now in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, and we're looking at chapter 4. We spend considerable time in chapter 3. There's a great deal there. Peter really has a lot in this particular fairly short letter, and we can glean so much for our understanding, but also for application to our lives today. 
Now, in chapter 4, we looked at the first couple of verses last time, and here Peter is calling for those who have become Christians, and that would be anybody who has been baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins, properly so, buried with him in the waters of baptism. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, Galatians 3 and verse 27, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Acts 22 and verse 16, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. All who have come to him his way, as he laid out in the scriptures, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith in him openly, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of our sins. Peter's writing to those individuals, all of us who have followed that particular plan, the gospel plan for man's salvation. Now, and what he's doing in these first six verses of chapter four, he's calling for Christians to pay attention, be diligent, be focused, come out of that old lifestyle of sin, wherein you lived before you were baptized into Christ and the blood that he shed in the cross cleansed you of the guilt of your sins. Before you were reborn, John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, made new, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, that is made new from a spiritual perspective. So he's saying in first verses 1 and 2, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now we talked about, we looked at different passages of scripture that pointed out that Christ literally suffered in physical form, in human form, during his life and ministry on this earth, ultimately culminating in his death, his crucifixion, a very barbarous form of execution on the cross. And so since he did that for us, Peter is saying, okay, you need to, to be serious about that. You need to pay attention. You need to be focused. Come out of sin. Don't live in sin any longer. So for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, do we suffer sometimes in the flesh for our faith? Well, yes, we do. It, it's not to the extent that Jesus did being nailed to a cross. Probably none of us have ever been beaten up because we're Christians. Probably none of us have ever had rocks thrown at us, but probably a number of us have been ridiculed verbally. Someone tried to humiliate us. Maybe some people have walked away from us, shunned us, because we don't live that old lifestyle of sinfulness in which we were associated with them in their sinful lifestyles. So he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We don't live that old life of sinfulness any longer. In verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. We're not caught up. We're making that termination. We're, and that's what repentance is about. That word repentance, again, means literally a change of mind. Now, the understanding is it's a change of mind that leads to a change in lifestyle. So when we became a Christian, we repented of our sins, 
and sought forgiveness through Christ by being baptized into him for the remission of our sins. So Peter says, don't live that old lifestyle any longer. You, you've come out of that. Make sure you stay out of that old lifestyle. We continue then in verse 3, where we pick up today, where Peter goes on and he says, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Now, who are the Gentiles? The Gentiles were everybody who was not a Jew. Now, that was the frame of reference. Peter was a Jew. And in the Jewish mindset, there were only two classifications or groups of people. There were the Jews and there were the Gentiles. Gentiles were everybody else. But now, we need to understand that along with being a Gentile or along with that particular designation or identity for that group of people, almost every one of them did not believe in God, did not worship God. They were idol worshipers. It's difficult for us to really, again, fully grasp the spiritual state of the world in the day of Jesus Christ when he came into this world. Now, the Jews believed in God. Many of them came to accept Christ as God's Son and their Lord and Savior, but most of them did not. But almost everybody else did not believe in God. They worshipped all kinds of different idols, statues, images, and so on. In fact, it would probably be safe to say that most Gentiles did not even know about God. Certainly a great percentage of them did not. But now, what Peter is saying here, we spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Okay, let's, let's use a different frame of reference for us, for a personal application in our lives today. Okay, once we become a Christian, we need to stop and realize and take to heart, our life has to be changed. Again, that's repentance. Our life has to be changed. We spend enough of our life, enough of our time, wasting it, so to speak, from a spiritual point of view, by living in sin. We need to stay away from that sin now. We need to live the life of the righteous in Christ from this point on. So we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Now, maybe we could make it a little more personal even. <clears throat> Think about the alcoholic, or maybe the person who has not yet become a full-fledged technical alcoholic, but they certainly are a problem drinker. Now, what do I mean by a problem drinker? person who gets drunk, and especially if he gets drunk on a pretty regular basis, he or she. You have problems in your life because of your drinking, maybe relational problems with your wife or your husband or with your parents or your children or relational problems with friends, or maybe you've got a problem at work because you come to work hungover a lot, or maybe even still somewhat intoxicated. Maybe you have a DUI, or maybe more than one. You see, those are, those are indications of 
a problem drinker at the very least. Now, when a person becomes addicted to the alcohol and they cannot keep from drinking, now you've got a full-fledged alcoholic. But it's not just the alcoholic who's got a problem with, with drinking, it's the problem drinker. The, the, the drinker who thinks it's okay to get drunk, and, and especially on a regular basis, and then, you know, lose their inhibitions and do things while they're intoxicated that they would never do while they were sober. Well, how much, how much of life has a person wasted who has gone through that period of suffering all kinds of consequences because of drinking? Or you could take it to a different level of application. What about the, the person who does drugs? Same way. Or what about the person who takes part in all kinds of sexually promiscuous behavior and has all kinds of problems as a result of it? How many, how many men out there have children by several different women? How many women out there have children by several different men? Now, you see, the children suffer in those relationships, but also the men and the women suffer. They're suffering consequences of their promiscuous behavior. And then you have, in some cases, you have men who have <laughs> maybe dozens of children by maybe dozens of different women. And you have some women who probably have children by more than a couple of different men, maybe three, four, five different men. And again, just all kinds of applications that we can get from this. We, we spent enough of our time, of our lifetime, we wasted enough is, is the way we can look at it, enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the worldly, the ungodly, the wicked, the sinful, because we were in there among them and with them. Well, now we're Christians. Paul, Peter says, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Well, that's the way we were. Now, maybe not all of those particular sin, uh, sinful practices are descriptive of what each one of us went through before we became a Christian, but we could probably pick out one or two or three of them at least. And certainly people you know may say, uh, yeah, that one, yeah, yeah, that one, yeah, that one too, yeah, or, yeah. And they might come away and say, yeah, that, pretty much all of those apply to me in my life. Well, Peter's saying we have repented of that. We wasted our life in that kind of worldly living, ungodliness, wickedness, sinfulness. He says, so we've come out of that. We need to stay out of it. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and, and this is how, where we can really see a blessing through Jesus coming into this world and bringing the gospel plan of salvation from God, from the throne room in heaven, that we can be forgiven and that we can change. We don't have to stay the way we were. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6, we want to read verses 9 through 11. And Paul, the apostle, is writing here 
to Christians in Corinth. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this this is simply a representative list of sinful practices and sinful lifestyles that will keep a person out of heaven. And so if he stopped right there, you might say, okay, he's warning us to stay out of those kinds of practices. But the next verse is key here. He says in verse 11, and such were some of you. Now, he's writing this to Christians in Corinth. And he says, here's a whole, just a representative list, but it's pretty lengthy of sinful practices that'll keep a person out of heaven. And he says, and some of you were partakers in those kinds of sinful lifestyles. And then he says, but you were washed, washed by the blood of Christ as you were baptized for the remission of your sins. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So Paul is talking about how, yeah, lost in sin is a reality. But he says, but you came out of that, writing to those Christians in Corinth, in the congregation there in that city. And Peter is saying the same thing. You used to be like this but you came out of that. Live like you came out of that. Don't stay caught up or don't get caught up again in that kind of lifestyle. No, stay out of that. In Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 3, the apostle Paul wrote, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. Let me go back and read that again. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Now, what does that mean? A new life, spiritually. We're no longer living a life of sinfulness. We're living a life in Christ, a spiritual, regenerated life. In verse 5, again, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. Jesus died on that cross and was buried in that tomb physically dead. But he arose from the dead, the physical dead, and came forth from that tomb alive. When we are baptized into Christ, literally buried in the waters with him, immersed, we're, we go into that watery, that baptismal burial in those waters, we're dead in our sins. But as we're buried with him in baptism, the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins, and we come up out of that watery grave of baptism made alive. We've been reborn. 
Our sins have been washed away by the blood he shed on the cross. In verse 6, Paul goes on and says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. We're not to live that old sinful lifestyle anymore, as though we were slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. We've died to that old lifestyle. We were buried with our Lord in baptism. We were raised up to walk a new life in him. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. We're looking forward to eternal life with him, ultimately in heaven, but we're already living with him in a sense, in a spiritual sense, because we have been made new in him. Again, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, we're living a new life in him right now, in this world, spiritually. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to, to God. And okay, We died to that old life of sin when we were baptized into Christ, and now we live a new life in Christ and in faithfulness to God. So Peter and Paul are both trying to get across that message. You are a new creation. You have been made new. Live that new life. Don't go back into that old life of sinfulness. You wasted enough of your life already in that regard. Live the new life in Christ. We come to 1 Peter chapter 4 again, verse 4. In regard to these things, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Who's that who speaks evil of us? Who is it that thinks it's strange that we are no longer living in that old sinful lifestyle, that we've changed our lives? the sinners we used to run with, the ones we used to hang with who were living that same lifestyle of sinfulness that we were with them. We go back to chapter 3 in 1 Peter. We look at verses 15 through 17, and here Peter wrote, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you, for the, asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And basically, the best way to shut the mouth of a critic who is trying to put you down, criticize you, belittle you, demean you for living a righteous life and not not any longer living that old, ungodly, sinful life, is to keep living the righteous life. To not be daunted, to not be led astray by their taunts, by their ridicule, by their criticism, by their challenges, but to just stay true to God and Christ. Just stay the course and keep living that faithful Christian life. Peter says, yeah, that can shut their mouths because they see you're not going to respond in kind to, their, to the way they're acting. You're just going to stay true 
to your Christian principles. In verse 5 of chapter 4, we go on, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Who will give account? Those critics. Those people who are trying to put you down for living a Christian life, a godly life, a righteous life before God, being faithful to God and Christ in the way that you live in a consistent daily basis. They'll get a, they're going to give an account of their lives, of what, how they're treating you when they stand before the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on Judgment Day. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of the things done in the body, whether good or bad, according to what we have done, every single one of us. So those critics, those still living sinful lifestyles who want to pull you back into a sinful lifestyle, but you refuse, so they just criticize you, they laugh at you, they tease you, they demean you, they challenge you. Maybe they do some other things to persecute you for your Christianity. They'll give account for that. They'll have to stand before the judge, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, on the final day of judgment and give account for how they've lived their lives, including how they're treating you. Yes. We'll all have to stand before our Lord. In verse 6, Peter goes on and says, For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. A strange verse of Scripture, just on the surface. And what I want us to do is come back and give attention to this next time. It's not as complicated it's not as kind of mind-befuddling as it seems, just reading it on the surface. I want us to come back and pay a little attention to that next time as we come back for our Wednesday night Bible class. Let's pray now. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us so, so, so very much and blessing us so much in so many ways and so continuously, Father, and richly and abundantly. We don't even realize all the blessings, all of the time that you bestow upon us. Please accept our thanks, Father. And please forgive us when we don't recognize all of those blessings. Some of them we just are not really aware of. But we thank you for them, Father. We need your blessings constantly. And one of the greatest blessings is that you have given us your word written down for us so that we can study it, learn it, and then become understanding of the best way of life that a human being can live with the greatest hope, and that is a home in heaven with you as we live the Christian life, that changed life as we've been studying this evening. Thank you, Father, for giving us the way. Thank you, Father, for being patient with us and giving us time to open our eyes and learn, and open our hearts and obey. And we pray that you will help everybody who has not come to you yet to see what they need to do, and then to humble their hearts to obey, to come to you, Father, with all their heart. We pray this, Father. Please be merciful with us, we pray. 
Please forgive us, gracious Father. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.